to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, and today our topic is Pilates, and our guest is Trent McIntyre, president of the board of directors of the Pilates Method Alliance and the director of McIntyre Pilates in Michigan. Good evening, Trent. How are you doing? Hi, very good, Alan. Thank you. Pilates has become one of the fastest-growing exercise programs in the country, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of surprising that, you know, when I started teaching 12 years ago, you know, it wasn't new then, and I thought, well, I wonder how long this will be a fad, but really it's turned into something that continues to grow year after year. It's, it's quite amazing. And it's been around for almost 100 years right now, so it's not exactly a new fad, as you say, is it? Yeah, not at all. No, I mean, starting in the 20s, really, you know, Joseph Pilates started his work, and it's something that has really stuck and sort of stayed, you know, sort of underground and not in the mainstream for a very long time. So just in the last 10 or 20 years, coming into the mainstream, it's really exploded. Who was Joseph Pilates? That's a great question. Really, I think he's a pioneer in, in how we care for our bodies and how we approach movement as a solution to our health. You know, he, he's known for saying that you're only as old as your spine is and how it really says a lot how much you can move your spine and how well you can move your body reflects on how good you feel and how healthy your body is. So I feel like he's really a pioneer in that movement, and that's a significant place for him to sit in. Most people think of Pilates as strictly an exercise program, but it was also a treatment program or therapy in the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that as Pilates exploded in many locations, inside of gyms, it's inside of rec centers and, you know, various facilities, but it existed first in a studio situation where you're working more privately and in very small groups. And so that people that were coming to work with him and with people that taught for him and as it's grown over the years, the clients have been looking for solutions to their chronic issues. So... While people who are fit and don't have injuries definitely participate in Pilates, there's a huge population of people that have chronic issues that seek it out to use it as a solution for themselves successfully, I might add. Joseph Pilates actually started to develop his program while he was a British prisoner of war, didn't he? He was a boxer. He was a pugilist, and so it was like a self-defense and really had a motivation for movement and conditioning and, and found ways to use the hospital beds to rig up various springs and pulleys so that returning veterans could rehab their body. It's amazing. I think they actually made his first piece of equipment out of a hospital bed, didn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, and as the development of the machines have progressed, really they stayed very true to the basic original form. For instance, you know, the trapeze table or the Cadillac, it looks very similar to a hospital bed with a frame that you can hang various springs and pieces of equipment from so that if someone isn't able to move, they get the assistance to move. You know, it's very true to where it started. Why was the original program called Contrology? I feel like the word Contrology was used really so that, as if he felt that you could use increased awareness and the intelligence of your mind to decide how to move your body, how it moves now, how you can improve it, and, you know, really approach it from a new angle, that it's not mindless, that you apply your whole self to every session. Because I read Joseph Pilates really believed that mental health and physical health were absolutely connected, didn't he? Yeah, he really felt that your physical and mental happiness were completely tied together. And you know, I've seen that. I've seen that in over the years of teaching. I've heard it from other teachers. It's something that absolutely proliferates the, the profession is while people seek out traditional kinds of exercise, maybe you know, cardiovascular or weights or whatever that they seek out, there's a direction for people to seek out Pilates for really mental clarity 
you know, I've had clients come in and say they come into the studio to get their attitude adjustment for the day because they just, just feel like they're in a better mood after their session. One of Pilates' principles was that good health also required a strong powerhouse, as he called it, or what we call a core today, right? I think that's another way where he was really ahead of his time. You know, he's often said, quoted as saying himself that he's 50 years ahead of his time, and the idea of working your core, working deep in your pelvis and abdominal muscles as a foundation to how your body supports itself and how your spine is supported and how you can just do everyday functions is absolutely a part of most conditioning programs and you, know, you have to think that that there's an influence that the you know more traditional exercise techniques have have seen success that working you know deep in the core have brought about and it's, I think there's an influence into the traditional fitness as well from that. Breathing is also an important part of Pilates work today, isn't it? Every exercise you do in Pilates has a specific breath pattern that goes with it. And the breathing, while sometimes it's hard to master because people aren't used to breathing, is very important and really drives the movement. You're not going to move all day long holding your breath constantly. You may not be a deep breather or someone who finds that they use breathing a lot, but you definitely will move better, move more efficiently, and you know just have a less stress and overall just feel better when the breathing is driving the movement. So you really can't do Pilates without paying close attention, can you? Not at all. It's, it's really something where you learn specifically how to move your body, specifically how to breathe, when to breathe. And it's, and it's also just not about memorizing those details. It's about getting to know your specific body. Everybody has their own shape, their own posture, misalignments and other conditions that might affect imbalance from one side of the body to the other. So really, when you're a client, you know, it's really a practice. It's not so much that you go and kind of check out your do list, like I did my quote or check, I did my, my Pilates workout for the day. It's really that you're taking care of your body and you're approaching with this awareness and, and that breathing brings more awareness, which means you're applying yourself. You're present in every session. Pilates is very popular with dancers, but it was actually boxers that were the first ones using it, weren't they? When Joseph came to the state, his first studio was inside of a boxing arena, but it was surrounded by lots of dance studios. So, you know, I think that's where this notion comes from, that it might have been for a particular population in the beginning. I think that people like boxers and, and dancers that have injuries and, and depend on their body as their tool for their job and for their livelihood to make a living were really drawn to it. And, you know, it, it wasn't specifically designed for any one kind of person. It's really for everybody's health. You know, and, and now you have people of all ages and all abilities that are enjoying the benefits of Pilates. Speaking of health, what are some of the key health benefits of doing Pilates? There's a lot. I think for me, I, I look at what each individual's needs might be. You know, we have people that I've seen that have some simple muscle imbalances, and for, that, for them to feel like they can function on a daily basis without having chronic stiffness or tightness, um, any pain, it, it, it's tremendous because when they have those issues, you know, they can't think straight. So they may, might not be able to work. As it distracts from just them living a life. But also, in, in a more chronic way, we see people that have things like MS or Parkinson's and other conditions where they feel like they get relief from the complications from their condition. But in the end, everybody comes to Pilates for a different reason, for a different body part, for a different sensation. And I think that the, the brilliance in it is that it, it, it can help so many people. Even, you know, I have a client that has severe asthma, and she's nearly 78 now, and I've had her as a client for about 11 years. 
and I see her twice a week, and the improvements that she's had in breathing when she's been so severely asthmatic has been tremendous. And, you know, we don't diagnose or prescribe in this situation, but we definitely see people that have these conditions improve. Trent, is Pilates a standardized program, sort of a one-size-fits-all exercise series, or is it customized to each individual? Well, I think it depends on how you ask. I think there are some people that believe it both ways. I think in, in most cases, you have to make a decision on what you feel works best for you. I definitely know people that feel very successful in having a set routine that everybody does, and they see improvement in that set routine. For me and for others, perhaps, I see that everybody that walks through the door has their own issues, their own story, has their own experiences. And for me, that affects what I would decide for them to do. I would decide, you know, specific exercises that are meant to help whatever they're going through. And, you know, things happen. You have a client that might have a certain kind of condition that you've been addressing, you know, rather similarly and progressing, and all of a sudden they fall and they hurt themselves. So then then I make the decision to change and customize the routine around them. But I think in the end, it's up to the professional who's making the decision. I can only hope that any professional who's teaching is making that decision, whether to be repeating the same routine or to customize specifically, just making an educated decision. How long does a Pilates session usually last? Typically, they're about an hour. I mean, in my studio, they're 55 minutes, which goes by very fast. I think if we had a slower culture, we definitely could stand to be in a session for an hour and a half to two hours, and it would be very very amazing to see what would happen. Sometimes it feels like you just get them moving and the session's over, but typically it's 55 minutes. We do have people that will come to, let's say, a private for an hour and then follow it by a group class. So they will get their two hours in, but, you know, as a general rule, they last about an hour. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. Any idea what the average time is spent on any one exercise? It depends how fast the client understands how to move their body. You know, if you have someone new, a lot of what they're going to go through is learning how to do the exercise, how to move their body. You might be asking them to do something with their body that they've never done before. So if it's somebody that's new, it'll take longer, and you might you might not get through very many exercises in that hour. But the idea with Pilates is that you're not doing a couple exercises with a lot of repetition. The idea is that as soon as you're able to move your body in more and more ways, that you increase the number of exercises you're doing. And so when you get more experience, then you can get up and you can do 15, 20, 25 exercises per hour. And I think there are definitely people that do more exercises per hour. They probably move faster. And I'm sure the people that do less because they move a little bit slower. That really gets into, you know, the choice of the professional and how they see that they're going to take the session. Oftentimes, if I'm working with somebody and they come in and we have a chat about what's going on in their body and I see what the plan is for them, I decide what it is, we get halfway through and we discover there's, there's a bigger issue that has to be dealt with. So we might end up doing less exercises that really focus on, you know, accomplishing something in a particular area. What's the best schedule for doing Pilates? What's the best program? I think ideally it's three times a week. Now, I definitely see that clients get results with twice a week. And what I hope is that people can blend this into their everyday movement habits, that while they might go out to studio or a center for twice a week, 
They also can work with that professional to develop a home program, some things that are very doable at home that are going to be safe for them, ideal for their body. And, you know, it might involve a small piece of equipment or a band or, you know, foam rollers that we use or a, a big inflatable ball. But, you know, typically clients that come less than twice a week, if they're coming once a week or every now and then, they just don't progress as fast. In the end, for me, it's about what their goals are. And the bigger the goals are, the more that they have to overcome or the, the further they want to go, the more frequently it's going to take to get there. And oftentimes you have people that will have, you know, big expectations. You know, they want to change their body in three weeks, but they've spent 40 years not moving their body, not exercising, not really paying attention to their body or how it moves at all. So we spend a lot of time getting the goals and reality into alignment so that we can work toward the goals but be, be realistic about the frequent, what the frequency is that's going to take to get there. Any idea of what the cost range is for an average Pilates session? Well, it depends on what kind of session you're taking. If you're taking a group class, for example, if you're taking like a mat class with no equipment, it really could range from, you know, $12 to $25, depending on, you know, what location in the world you are, you're in. If you're in a, a highly populated city, it's probably going to cost a little more. Um, if you're more in sort of a country area, a little less. Now, as you go into more private situations, it's going to, it'll, your, your pricing will go up and reflect the attention that you're going to get from the professional. So if you're getting into a private situation and you have that professional making decisions for you for the, in the entire hour, then you can expect to pay $65 to over $100 per session, depending on their experience and what their education is and how long, you know, how long they've been working with people. Today, there are actually different schools or types of Pilates out there, aren't they? Yeah, there's quite, a, there's quite a few different kinds of Pilates. I think that when you look at the number of people that worked with Joseph at his center early and then became teachers who taught clients that became teachers who taught clients that became teachers, you have the many directions that the work has spread into. So as this grew and more and more people were teaching Pilates, the different kinds, the different approaches, the different solutions that came up really shaped how a training program would look like. So as a result, there are many different training programs. So if somebody was a client of Joseph or someone who worked with Joseph, they might stick to what the original exercises were in the order that they know them in. But the thing is, is that other people know the exercises differently or know them in a different order or they call them something else or have made changes themselves and there's other influences that have, have steered this. And so as a result, there are, there are many different training programs and there are many different comprehension levels that are expected out of the training programs. You know, there are very short training programs and there are programs that are comprehensive so that a teacher could really become a professional. They can work in a studio situation with clients and really address the specific particular needs of the clients. Can you learn Pilates from a book or a DVD? I think what you can learn from a book or a DVD is the importance to go into a studio and learn from a professional because it's not about the exercise on the DVD or the exercise that's on the, that's printed on the page. It's about your body and the corrections that you're going to need. Now, once you've learned how to do the exercise, you know, using a, a tape or a book at home to supplement your studio work really can be ideal. Encouraging clients to go home and move every day I think is really healthy and really fantastic, but really they need to learn how to move first and how to modify something for their body. It's tragic in some ways because oftentimes I hear from people that say, oh, I, I got a video and it hurts my neck, and it's unfortunate because if they had started with a professional 
I learned how to do things properly from a professional who's gotten comprehensive training and has the experience of working with different kinds of bodies and providing modifications, they would have much more success rate in, in starting with a live person than maybe transitioning to a tape at home. The term Pilates is now legally an open term in the marketplace, so virtually anyone can use it. Are there any licensing or training standards to be a Pilates instructor now? Yeah, I'm really thrilled to say that through the efforts of many people, that you know, the Pilates Method Alliance, which is a nonprofit governing body for Pilates quality control, really the PMA is designed to protect the public and to support its members and grow the Pilates profession in a way that it can be recognized among professions. And, you know, we get referrals from physicians and physical therapists and other kinds of therapists. And I think that it's important to consider some sort of quality control. But it's a controversial topic because people have come through the ranks and learned through apprenticeship and other techniques and have been teaching for years and years. And so it's hard sometimes for people to look at the idea of creating standards when they've been working for so long without having to adhere to standards. But as a general rule, what's accepted right now is that you look at the length of training that a teacher has gone through. And from the perspective of the PMA, we're looking to create a minimum standard. So it's not that, you know, something that's so high to reach for that very few people could get there. But it's a minimum standard to sort of set where that entry level is. And, you know, this is a great thing for any client or person who's looking to take Pilates is to ask their teacher, you know, how long their training program was. And if their training program was over 450 hours, then they're at least at a minimum level of training. And sure, there are teachers that have studied way longer than that, which is fantastic and and great for the clients, but it's good for the clients to have a a minimum entry level. And that 450-hour mark for training is an entry level that's been established. Isn't there a World Pilates Day now? Yeah, the first Saturday in May, actually, every year is Pilates Day. And it's exciting because people have the opportunity to hold events and raise the awareness in their local community for Pilates and the health benefits of Pilates. And it's great for clients who are already doing Pilates to bring friends to events. And, you know, I was recently this year in Madrid and was at a Pilates Day event there um, hosted by Pilates Wellness and Energy and they had almost 900 people at their Pilates Day event, which was a sight to see and, and quite remarkable. You had whole families at this event. You had, you know, six- and seven-year-old kids who were following along, and when they would sort of get off the path, the parents would help them get their legs back in the air and do the exercise properly, and they, the attention that they that they held at the event was, it was amazing. It was great to see such an awareness being built. Trent, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about Pilates today. Alan, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Anyone wanting to learn more about Pilates should visit the association's website at www.pilatesmethodalliance.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Trent, please visit his website at www.mcintyrepilates.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back soon with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.